DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents Spiritual Desolation. Be aware, understand, take action with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher is a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, a religious community dedicated to retreats and spiritual formation according to the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. He is featured on several series found on the Eternal Word television network. He is also author of numerous books on the spiritual teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola and the venerable Bruno Lanteri, founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, all published by the Crossroads Publishing Company. This particular series is based in part on Chapter 4 of Setting Captives Free, Personal Reflections on Ignatian Discernment of Spirits. Spiritual Desolation. Be aware, understand, take action with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome, Father Gallagher. Thank you, Chris. Always great to be here. Even if we're discussing desolation? Well, as I said earlier, we're discussing freedom from spiritual desolation. So if we are, yes, we are discussing spiritual desolation, but only because there is a path to freedom from it. So I think what we need to do now is just refresh our awareness of the content of this role, and then we'll move into the new material that I look at in the book Setting Captives Free. So let's reread the text of the role, and then uh, just refresh its elements. We did this in more detail in our earlier set of conversations. Fourth rule. The fourth is of spiritual desolation. I call desolation all the contrary of the third rule, such as darkness of soul, disturbance in it, movement to low unearthly things, disquiet from various agitations and temptations, moving to lack of confidence, without hope, without love, finding oneself totally slothful, tepid, sad, and as if separated from one's Creator the Lord. For just as consolation is contrary to desolation, in the same way the thoughts that come from consolation are contrary to the thoughts that come from desolation. So Ignatius says the fourth rule, the fourth is of spiritual desolation. And let's note those two words because both are important. Desolation preceded by the adjective spiritual. Desolation, like consolation, is a heart-level word. So if we speak of head, which is the more thoughts and thinking and ideas, to use the formal word, it's the cognitive level. And heart, feelings, emotions, affective stirrings, uh, so to speak, in formal language, the affective dimension of our being. Desolation and consolation are both affective words. They describe movements of the heart. Consolation is an upward, happy, joyful movement of the heart. Desolation is a heavy, sad, discouraging, disheartening movement of the heart. And then the word desolation is preceded by the adjective spiritual. So Ignatius is speaking of a heaviness of heart on the level of faith, on the level of our relationship with God, on the level of living the spiritual life, like the man at 10 o'clock or the woman at 3 o'clock alone in the kitchen. To complete this, if there is spiritual desolation, there is also non-spiritual desolation. Non-spiritual could be, um, we could equally, equally speak of natural desolation or human or emotional or psychological, any of those terms. 
it's just a heaviness of heart on the natural level as we live our, our, our lives. And non-spiritual desolation can derive from a depletion of either emotional or physical energy or both. So here is a woman, uh, things are going well in her day at work, and then a fellow worker makes a negative comment about a project that she's worked on, and a little film of grayness comes into her heart, a little bit of heaviness, a little depressing to hear that, and fills her day. She is experiencing non-spiritual desolation deriving from a depletion of emotional energy. All of the discussion in our culture today about depression in terms of discernment is the discussion of non-spiritual desolation. And here is a man who is working hard at a project, staying up late night after night, rising early in the morning, and after a few weeks a heaviness comes into his life. He is experiencing a non-spiritual desolation deriving from a depletion of physical energy. Um, Now, Ignatius explicitly lets us know that what he's speaking about here, because everything in these rules about discernment of spirits is on the level of the spiritual life, that he is explicitly speaking about spiritual desolation, not non-spiritual desolation. But that does not mean that non-spiritual desolation has no significance regarding what happens in our spiritual life. Now, a certain amount of non-spiritual desolation is normal in a well-lived vocation. I would say even holy in some cases. So the mother whose young child is ill and is up night after night for several days, she gets pretty tired. But there's something, I would say, holy about that tiredness because it's, it's embraced out of love for her child and the living of her vocation as mother. Now, she's going to need healthy ways to recover that energy. Or in a different vocation, the priest who guides his parish through Holy Week, or maybe the priest who is called out early in the morning to the hospital. And, and again, there's some tiredness, but there's something again holy about that tiredness because it's embraced out of fidelity and love for uh, the vocation of serving God's people. Again, the priest is also going to need ways to recover that energy. So a certain amount of non-spiritual desolation is normal in a well-lived life. But if there is too much of it, if a person finds him or herself saying, I'm always feeling somewhat depressed, I'm always feeling worn out and tired, then not only as stewards, good stewards of our humanity, which we're called to be by the Lord, But for the sake of our spiritual lives, we need to do something about that. Uh, Many problems in the spiritual life that we consider spiritual and eventually will become spiritual if they're not addressed, cease, resolve, when we pay wise attention to the needs of our humanity on the non-spiritual level. I probably used this example last time, but I'll use it again. Probably most of us listening have our daily routine of prayer. And we've embraced it because we know it's helpful. Uh, We love it. We try to be faithful to it. We experience its fruits. And then a day comes when we just feel like today, I just can't do it. I just can't do it today. And there's the remote control or the smartphone or the daily paper or something else that just seems, you know, attracts us more. You know what often helps me at such times is to get exercise. Go out and get some healthy exercise, and then I'm all set to pray. Because the problem 
in the instance I'm describing, never was that I didn't want to pray. I, I do want to pray. The problem was that I had not paid wise attention to a need of my humanity on the non-spiritual level. So if we can do this, if we can reverence the body and pay wise attention to our needs on that level, then many things get easier in the spiritual life. I came across a lovely quote from St. Teresa of Avila from her life in which she's speaking about prayer. And she says, take care then of the body. Now look at the reason for this. Take care then of the body. So that's the counsel. Take care of the body. It's very, it's tiredness, it's needs for nourishment, for appropriate relaxation, uh, interactions with others on the heart level, the emotional level as well. Take care then of the body for the love of God. We can take care of the body for many reasons. Um, wanting to appear in a certain way before others or needs of work whatever it might be. But this is the reason St. Teresa has in mind here. Take care then of the body for the love of God, because at many times the body must serve the soul. If we're tired and emotionally worn down, and that's become kind of chronic and we haven't done, we're not addressing that, it'll be hard to pray. It'll be hard to take new steps in the spiritual life. So even before we get to the spiritual level, let's just note that on the natural physical, psychological, emotional level, we can do much to make things go much easier in the spiritual life. And the reason for this is that the enemy willingly works in our vulnerabilities. So where there is a non-spiritual vulnerability, where I'm just worn out, that's chronic. Uh, I'm just feeling maybe a little depressed, and that's been going on for a while. That's where the enemy is going to try now to bring the further trap of spiritual desolation, feeling far from God, having no energy for the spiritual life, considering just pulling back from that initiative and the group and the parish and all the other things that we do to help us grow spiritually. So Ignatius, having said that, Ignatius is speaking about specifically spiritual desolation. Now, this distinction between spiritual and non-spiritual, whether in consolation or in desolation, we need to have a, a proper balance with this. And the balance is between two poles. The distinction is important, and it needs to be made. Because if we don't make it, what we might do is not see clearly the appropriate remedy for the heaviness that a person is experiencing. To give a very evident case. Here is a man or a woman who has been through something very traumatic in life. And there's a heaviness, there's a burden as he or she goes through the days. If they can recognize the non-spiritual need there and address it, maybe some counseling now would be very helpful with a wise and good counselor, certainly one who is Christian or at least respects our Christianity that could be enormously helpful. There may be medical means also that can help. So to recognize a non-spiritual desolation and apply wisely the, the, the healthy non-spiritual remedies brings about great, great good for us, not only in living our daily lives, but also for the spiritual life. And the same can be true on less dramatic levels. You know, here is somebody who in this situation just finds himself or herself getting easily depressed. Okay. Let's look at that. This is a natural human thing. How do we address this? Can the relationship, if it's that's what's causing it, be 
live with newness in some way, and so forth. And then spiritual desolation, specifically spiritual desolation, will need spiritual remedies. And that's what Ignatius is doing in this set of rules. Are you suggesting then, Father Gallagher, that if you're aware that you're off, there you've You've identified you're in some type of desolation. You haven't yet discerned whether it's the non-spiritual or spiritual, that the remedy to begin with might be to have a checkup or to look at the food you're eating or to see what you're, I mean, take a look at that, your body first. Because, I mean, in reality, that's always changing. You know, as we grow older, what I felt like when I was 27 is not the same that I would feel at 47. And Things happen, and so we need to address those first, potentially. Yes, that's a very nice application of this principle of paying wise attention to the non-spiritual dimension of our humanity, physically and emotionally. We are blessed in our time to have a saint, St. John Paul II, who gave us that extensive theology of the body. Now, just the title itself is deeply instructive. The body is not something to be demeaned or simply um, endured. But here is a saint writing a theology. That is an exploration of truths of faith and revelation, which is what theology is, penetrating to a deeper understanding of what God wants us to know about a reality and doing all of that with the body. Body is pretty important, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't get very far without it um, in life. And so, yes, to pay wise attention, and um, if we can do it, obviously, you know, regular checkups, attention to things, diet, sleep, appropriate relaxation, all of those things, as we're saying, does a great deal for the spiritual life. More basically, it, you can apply this to the fifth commandment that we're called to be good stewards of the humanity that God has given us. But then the dividends in the spiritual life are very rich, as we've just seen Teresa of Avila say. There can be also those aspects, the human person, the anthropology of the human person for generation upon generation was dictated by the rhythm of the seasons, of the sunlight, and getting enough sleep when the sun is out, and or getting enough sleep when the sun is down, and waking, and the rhythm of a natural day has been changed dramatically in the last 100, 150 years. Now we have lights. I know it's something that we might laugh at, but to realize that we can stay up so much longer than would ever been dreamt by generations ago and filling our minds constantly with things coming through the television, through different devices, through the computer, all of that it's not necessarily spiritual desolation, but a, a non-spiritual desolation that if, can we cut those things out first? Can Could that be affecting us in some way? You know this lovely book by Ian Matthews on St. John of the Cross, The Impact of God. In that book, he highlights over and over again the fundamental thing that St. John of the Cross is doing in his writings, and he summarizes it this way make space for God. And that's the whole uh, teaching of John of the Cross, this incredibly, amazingly rich teaching. That's where the dark nights and the purification, it's all about that, is making space for God. 
And that's all the more important in a world now that fills what used to be empty spaces, you know, so much with screens and earbuds and the rapid pace of life. So, yes, I think that, again, is is the call to find ways to slow down and to notice and be aware. I think St. John Paul II is a wonderful witness in this, too. He was a living theology of the body. I used to love to watch him when I had chances to actually be with him, and certainly very much through the televised televising of his events. Uh, just it, It's instructive to watch how he lived in his body with such naturalness and the care that he took of it. This busy priest in Poland going off on these kayaking trips with the uh, with the students, even as Pope, you know, putting the swimming pool in the Vatican, skiing, where we all have images of him uh, hiking up in the Dolomites, these, these mountains up in northern Italy in his vacation every summer. Where did this man get the energy, incredible energy, to, to do these exhausting trips when at, the journalists couldn't keep up with him and he was... It's because he, he so respected the body, and I'd say to apply Teresa of Avila's words, he took care of it for the love of God, and then out of that had the energy to do this. So I don't want to, none of this says, um, we're not speaking of becoming hypochondriacs or so engaged in the body that uh, we can never see beyond it or, or anxious about you know every little ache or pain that arises. We don't mean that. It's just a prudent which means finding the right means to take prudent, wise care of the body. And I'd say our emotional health as well. And if we do that, yes, then uh, all the rest of this gets easier. And in our culture today, it's a mixture. It's again, the best of times, the worst of times. We have things that make health harder for us, the pace of life and the bombardment. But we also have means to um, for health that were never there ever in history before. Things that, um, you know, that simply had to be lived with at one time. So many of them now there are remedies for surgically or through medications or the various uh, therapies and so on that uh, medicine supplies. To say nothing of help on the, on the emotional level, you know, with good solid counseling. So it's finding our way through all of that in a way that leads to a solid uh, conservation uh, maintenance <laughs> Not sure those are the best words, but a solid maintaining of our health in a way then that permits us to live the spiritual life. Now, that's the other pole of of what I wanted to say. We need a balance. We need the distinction between the non-spiritual and the spiritual because each needs to be dealt with in its own way. But we don't want to overstress that distinction because finally there's just one human person. Our emotions and, and our bodies are involved in prayer and our relationship with God. And our spiritual life flows through our emotions and our bodies. There's only one human person. So we don't need to overstress it either. We'll return to Spiritual Desolation. Be aware, understand, take action. With Father Timothy Gallagher in just a moment. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. 
This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. A prayer for the intercession of Venerable Bruno Lanteri. O Father, fountain of all life and holiness, you gave Father Bruno Lanteri great faith in Christ your Son, a lively hope, and an act of love for the salvation of his brethren. You made him a prophet of your word and a witness to your mercy. He had a tender love for Mary, and by his very life he taught fidelity to the church. Father, hear the prayer of your family, and through the intercession of Father Lanteri, grant us the grace for which we now ask. May he be glorified on earth, that we may give you greater praise. We ask this through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We now return to Spiritual Desolation. Be aware, understand, take action with Father Timothy Gallagher. Uh, Specifically, as he indicates, on the level of spiritual desolation. So he says, I call desolation, and we always understand the adjective spiritual, all the contrary of the third rule, which is about spiritual consolation. And so basically, what he's going to do in this rule is just Say, well, all right, we've, we've seen the description of spiritual consolation. Now we're just going to see its exact contrary, which is what he does. And he gives a series of experiences, such as darkness of soul. Uh, we go through our daily life and work or at home, and there's something weighing on us in our prayer, in our relation. With a sense, something's not right, but we can't, there's no light. We, we can't see clearly what's going on here. And there's a certain burden and a sense that things aren't going well and are not going to go well as we go forward. These would be experiences of spiritual desolation. Disturbance in the soul. Let's say the woman does begin the prayer and loves it and finds wonderful things gradually beginning to happen. Her faith is coming more alive. Uh, her, Her attendance at Mass now means more to her. She finds herself thinking, like some of her friends, of going to daily Mass when she can do it and begins doing that. Let's say there's a woman's breakfast group in the parish uh, that she is now considering joining. And as she's growing spiritually, she finds herself having more peace and patience at work, at home, as she relates to her husband or her children. And something warm and new is coming into the family. Maybe her husband and children and fellow workers can't articulate it, but they feel it. They know something something rich, and there's joy in her heart. And then, at a certain point, a little film of anxiety starts to get into this. And something of the peace is, is troubled as she tries to pray or to walk this journey, spiritual journey, disturbance um, in the soul. So she's experiencing spiritual desolation. 
movement to low and earthly things. Ignatius tells us in Rule 3 that in the joy of spiritual consolation, there's an upward call and attraction toward what he calls heavenly things. Prayer, the sacraments, spiritual reading, being part of the group that shares about their faith, living our faith more deeply in our vocation. Exactly the opposite will happen in spiritual desolation. Now the pull will be toward what Ignatius calls low and earthly things. And I said some of this in our preceding series, but I'll just exemplify it again, if I may reverently say this. These are the times when uh, we head to the refrigerator for the third time, um, or go on Facebook again, when we're not even really interested and just scroll scroll down through things that, you know, in in the heaviness of heart, um, or put in the earbuds again, or sit in front of the screen, whether the television, the computer, the tablet, phone. Now, there's a good use of all of these things, obviously, but we all know what Ignatius is talking about. It's a flight from the heaviness of desolation and a pull toward things that are, in this sense, low and earthly, that not only are they not going to help us resist the desolation, but they're probably going to weaken that resistance and maybe even increase it a bit. Is there a degree, Father Gallagher, to what this movement can be like? I mean, it can it be a slow, like a slippery slope, or can it be like a crashing wave? It can be either. Spiritual desolations vary both in intensity and duration. So it may be just uh, a little like in a warm room in winter with a fire um, burning and a person enjoys the warmth of it, and someone opens a window and just cracks it for a second, and a little breath of cold air gets in. It can be like that sometimes. It can just be just not very intense, but sort of there. That's where I use that word, a film of grayness. You know, just wait. It doesn't stop us from praying and living our life, but there's that little bit of heaviness there, or it can be more intense, or it can be very intense. And it can uh, develop gradually it can develop more rapidly but this is where be aware understand and take action is key because that's what's going to make the difference as to whether it's uh, prolonged and whether it gets deeper or not you've spoken uh, in the past about being able to potentially stop it at the very top of the mountain before it starts to snowball down and no matter what intensity it is is that opportunity present to us? Oh, it's always there. Well, let's take the man at 10 o'clock, poised between the the Bible and the smartphone in a time of desolation, the discouraging, let's say there was a discouraging interaction with his boss in in the morning, and his heart's been heavy ever since then. And because he was feeling so so non-spiritual desolation, because he was feeling so discouraged, um, he just didn't go to mass on his lunch hour as he often does and had planned to do that day. Rule five, don't make changes in desolation. Now it's a spiritual desolation. Um, Normally when he gets home from work, uh, we'll say he prays the shortened version of evening prayer from the Magnificat. Just, you know, it's five minutes uh, of prayer, but with no energy, he just flopped in front of the television for that time. And uh, and now it's 10 o'clock, and normally he reads from Scripture for some minutes and makes his exam at the end of the day. But there's no desire to, God feels far away, no energy for prayer. So he's in 
formal spiritual desolation at this point and feeling the pull toward the low unearthly things to pick up the smartphone in a way that uh, maybe an hour and a half later will have led to low unearthly things. What if this man, after the encounter with his boss that leaves him discouraged, what if he picked it up right then? Okay, there's something going on here. Lord, help me to see this. You know what? There's a there's a discouragement going on right here now, and if I don't address it, I could give in to it, and it could fill the rest of the day, because he knows his pattern. We all know our patterns. And right then starts applying rule six. Lord, help me. Prayer of petition. Calls to mind, we'll say Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Though I walk through a dark valley, I fear no evil. It just looks clearly at what's going on. That's the much examination. Okay, this was discouraging. But you know what? Actually, it was helpful to have the boss tell me that because uh, I really, really needed to hear that. And if I apply his counsel now, this whole project is going to go better. So that's the much examination. And then if you want to apply the suitable gestures of penance, you know, instead of just um, taking a few minutes to go on social media or something, no, I'm getting right back to work, whatever. And then the snowball is stopped right at the top of the mountain. And the rest of that whole scenario never even happens. So yes, rule 12, that's why I said rule 12 is a wonderful friend in living the discerning life. Now, I want to say that this pull toward low and earthly things when we experience it, we all do. Uh, and it's very important to say there is no shame in experiencing it. There's no shame in experiencing spiritual desolation at all. It's just part of the spiritual life in a fallen, redeemed, and loved world, as I've said. But I think it's important to say that as the man f- sits there at 10 o'clock or the woman you know, feeling the pull toward the smartphone or the woman to pick up the remote control, they need to know that there's nothing shameful about experiencing that. That's simply a tactic of the enemy in spiritual desolation. What's very important, as I keep saying, is be aware, understand, and take action. To be aware of what's going on, name it for the tactic of the enemy that it is, and in the man's case, it may take a bit of courage, but to reach out for the Bible, and the woman to reach out for the Bible that she usually prays at that time. So th- these are just tactics of the enemy that we can expect to experience. I know from my own experience, Father Gallagher, that you know I, I too am tempted to that movement to low and earthly things, as you said, where the spiritual practice, I, I, I do, I get pulled over to the smartphone, I get pulled over to the computer, and I have to tell myself, after, especially after reviewing these teachings, that they'll always be there. They're not going away. See, the lie is that I have to jump to them right now. Whatever was said, I can look at 10 minutes from now. Whatever was said, or I, I think I need to see, especially with today's technology, I, it will not be hard to pull it up again. So that's, there's a lie that I have to look at it now, and I need to stick to what I was going to do, no matter how hard it may seem to do it. Part of that, that's a healthy response, isn't it? Sure. Yes, the discernment there would be, well, let's say two people could say, I need to look at that email right now. Um, And it would mean two very different things. In one case, it may be somebody who's engaged in work and knows that he really does need to know what what a colleague said in an email, and he really does need to know it right now. 
So that's not a movement toward low and earthly things at all. That's just a healthy uh, living out of his work. So in that case, that, that's positive, that's healthy. It's right that he do that. The other man could be saying, I need to look at that email right now because he's in the darkness of spiritual desolation and finds it hard to pray or to continue in this time of prayer. And that seems more gratifying, you know. Um, and so he gravitates, he feels the pull toward the smartphone or the tablet uh, in a way that that he knows could very well be uh, low and earthly. And in that case, then the appropriate response is what you've said. Uh, no. That's the suitable gesture of penitential courage that Ignatius speaks of in Rule 6. No. And as I've said in other settings, if the best he can do is to say, I'm going to wait 10 minutes before I go there, I'll let him do that because God can do a lot in 10 minutes. Yeah, these seem like small gestures, but they have great power because God's, they're openings for God's grace. And once you take even one small step like that with the Spirit, the Spirit opens up the next and the next and the next. Very likely, if the man does that, he's going to wind up reaching for the Bible and he's never even the snowball will never get started. Then Ignatius also speaks about disquiet, he says, from various agitations and temptations. So trouble of heart. And we can note the linkage of spiritual desolation and temptation there. Disquiet from various agitations and temptations. That's the first time in the rules Ignatius speaks of temptations. They'll return in the rules later. But to note the link between these two uh, categories. So we can expect that when we are in the heaviness of spiritual desolation, heaviness of heart on the spiritual level, that the enemy's temptations, which are deceptive suggestions, will also be floating in and out of this. So the man in the heaviness of desolation at 10 o'clock is tempted to reach for the smartphone in a way that uh, very likely is a temptation in that setting. Ignatius speaks of moving to lack of confidence. This is when um, one of us signs up for a, a weekend retreat, for example, six months down the line, and really looks forward to it. And um, then maybe a, a week or two before the retreat, one of these discouraging things happens. The spiritual desolation gets in there. Prayer is a struggle. Don't feel God's closeness. And then he or she finds him or herself saying, uh, you know, thinking of the retreat, uh, you know, in these conditions, I don't even know what, it, what if I should even go. If I'll go there, you know, it's not going to really change much. I'll hear a few nice things and be with some nice people. But, right, can you see the lack of confidence there? Uh, one, one of us is struggling in prayer and the desolation. When I say the desolation says, I mean the enemy through the desolation. The desolation says, um, you're not much of a, man or woman of prayer, and you know you never will be. Pretty cruel. A desolation as a work of the enemy is harsh, it's accusing, but it's it's a lie. This is the beautiful thing. It's an odd thing for this to say, to speak of the beauty of spiritual desolation, but by that I mean the beauty of it is that it's all of it is unreal. Everything about it is either an outright lie or a truth skewed to a lie. There's no truth in it. It's all a lie. Yes, make that retreat. It'll probably be something that's going to be a beautiful news. Of course, the enemy doesn't want you to go. Uh, continue with your prayer. It's changing your life. Of course, the enemy wants you to lose your confidence in this. Uh, without hope, 
one of us begins prayer today, but has the sense, let's say a half hour, Lord, I'll give you the time, but I just don't, I don't really expect anything to come from this. And in so many ways, and again, there's no shame in experiencing that. It's always the same thing. Be aware, understand. Okay. Um, actually, I've come to a point now when I experience these things of the enemy, that lack of hope, when I, at least when I'm spiritually aware, it, it kind of flips around and I begin increasingly to have the sense that if the enemy wants me to lose hope in this, the enemy is attacking what I'm trying to do here, the work of God that I'm trying to be open to as I pray. It's because the enemy knows this is going to be fruitful. It's actually, it's actually, uh, in a reverse way, it's an encouragement to know that this is really valuable. There's a reason why the enemy wants to attack this. And that's happened uh, many times for me. When I get to the point where I say, oh, that's what's going on here, a lot of it dissipates, you know, and a lot of hope comes in. And then without love, Ignatius says, uh, in consolation, we feel the Lord's love and we feel the warmth of love for the Lord in our own hearts and for others in the Lord. Exactly the opposite takes place in time of spiritual desolation. We just don't, there's a kind of coldness. Um, we just don't feel that warmth at all. And then finally, Ignatius says, we feel as if separated from our creator and Lord. As if, because it's not real. God is Emmanuel. God with us. I am with you to the close of the age. But the feeling, the lie of spiritual desolation will be, I'm here in my room at 10 o'clock or in the kitchen, and you, God, are a million miles away. Uh, that, that's the feeling, as if, because it's a lie. God is, uh, to use uh, Paul Claudel's uh, lovely phrase, more intimate to me than I am to myself, he, deeply within me. But the lie of the desolation will try to make us feel that way. So of course, now, everything I've described, we've all experienced. I have, we all have. There's no shame in it. It's uh, a normal part of the spiritual life. But again, awareness, understanding, and action. We'll return to Spiritual Desolation. Be aware, understand, take action. With Father Timothy Gallagher in just a moment. A Prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today.
We now return to Spiritual Desolation. Be aware, understand, take action with Father Timothy Gallagher. There is one final piece for us to review in the text of Rule 4 on Spiritual Desolation. And this is from the final sentence, which reads this way. For just as consolation is contrary to desolation, so as we've said, these are heart-level words, affective words. Consolation is exactly contrary to desolation. Desolation is heaviness, discouragement, and so on, on the heart level. And consolation is uplifting, joyful, hope-filled uh, stirrings of the heart. So just as these two experiences are exactly contrary on the level of the heart, they are also, Ignatius says, going to be exactly contrary on the level of the thoughts that arise from the one and the other. So to stay with that paradigm of head and heart, when something is happening on the level of the heart, either heaviness or uplifting, stirrings, something parallel is going to be happening on the level of the head. The way we're thinking in the one experience and the other is going to be exactly contrary, as we would expect. So just as consolation is contrary to desolation, in the same way, the thoughts that come from consolation. And that's important to know that in the joy of consolation or the heaviness of desolation, different kinds of thoughts, in the one case inspired by the good spirit and in the other, spiritual desolation, inspired by the enemy. In the same way, the thoughts that come from consolation are contrary to the thoughts that come from desolation. So to make all that a little more concrete, Let's go to the experience of the woman who has been growing in her spiritual life this morning at Sunday Mass, uh, hears in the homily the invitation to consider praying with the daily readings from the Mass for 10 minutes each day. Feels this a warm sense of joy in her heart and loves the new closeness with the Lord that she's experiencing and finds her heart expanding in a sense of gratitude to God as she listens, being seated here at the Sunday Mass. Now, what I'm describing, obviously, is spiritual consolation. And there are thoughts now that arise from the spiritual consolation. You know, if just a more regular life of the sacraments, as I've had now for the past year, we'll say, is already making this difference in my life, what would happen if I actually did what Father is suggesting? And you know, it would not be hard for me to do that. I could easily arrange my morning to get 10 minutes before the activity of the morning starts. And actually, I have a, a friend who's been doing this for years. All I have to do is call her. She would love to get me started on this, show me how to get the materials, and uh, just be a friend to help me along with this. And you know what? I'm going to call her this evening when the children are in bed and I'm free and get started tomorrow morning. So here is a set of thoughts which are arising out of the joy, and the warmth of the spiritual consolation. The day continues to unfold. As I said, we get to dinner, the tense conversation with her teenage daughter, the bit of heaviness that now comes into her, her heart. So as we've said earlier, I'm describing a non-spiritual desolation. There's a vulnerability there, and the enemy now begins to bring in some spiritual desolation. The children are in bed. She's uh, sitting in the quiet of her room for a moment and remembers that now she was going to call her friend. But now the thoughts are very different. She doesn't feel close to God, has no energy for the spiritual life right now. 
no sense that, you know, there's any much point in making a lot of new efforts and getting, all right, we're describing spiritual desolation. And now another set of thoughts arise out of the spiritual desolation. Sure, you had a nice experience this morning at Mass, but, um, you know, that's a little flash in the pan. Look at you now, you know, you don't have that same kind of energy. They didn't last very long, did it? And, uh, you know, you've been away from your faith for this period in your life. You've never picked up the Bible and read it yourself. What makes you think that you're even going to understand anything if you try to do this now? If you call your friend and she sees you're all excited to do this, she'll be kind about it. She'll give you the materials. But she knows and you know that this is going nowhere, that this is going to, maybe it'll last a week if you're lucky. But don't think anything's really going to change. So, and so on. These, these are the thoughts that arise out of the spiritual desolation. And we can see that they are exactly contrary to the thoughts that arise in time of spiritual consolation. So that's the point Ignatius wants us to see. And that indicates why the awareness that we've been speaking of, be aware, is so important. Because if this woman, for example, is not aware, does not have the understanding, she could easily believe these lies, these discouraging lies of the enemy, and maybe never pick up the phone and call her friend that evening. But if she's aware and can name this for the tactic of the enemy that it is, spiritual desolation and the lies, the discouraging lies that are coming out of it, and know that the call is firmly to reject that, and reaches out and picks up the phone and calls her friend. And we can see the difference in the one case or the other. If she gives in, not aware, doesn't understand, doesn't reject, never picks up the phone to call her friend, what will her prayer look like a week later, a month, six months, a year, five years? But if she does call her friend, recognizing these thoughts of the enemy for what they are, and begins the prayer the next morning, now what's her prayer going to look like a week, a month, six months, a year, five years down the line? As we've said before, that's why these rules are so useful because they are friends right there in the daily stuff of the spiritual life, most of which is hidden. Most of the decisions we make, the steps that we either take or don't undertake, some of it will appear a little bit, but most of it is in the, the hidden space of the daily spiritual life. And right there, these rules are there to assist us and guide us. All right, so that's the text of Rule 4. Uh, that's the experience of spiritual desolation that Ignatius is describing. You've been listening to Spiritual Desolation. Be aware, understand, take action with Father Timothy Gallagher. This particular series is based in part on Chapter 4 of Setting Captives Free, Personal Reflections on Ignatian Discernment of Spirits. You can find this book on Father Gallagher's website at fathertimothygallagher.org. To hear and or to download this episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Spiritual Desolation. 
Be aware. Understand. Take action with Father Timothy Gallagher.